on for you today to watch. Uh, and we're going to get into the Word of God, and I hope not to take... No, nah, I'll just take however long I need. It's all right. Ha. You know, I was all set this week to continue the series that we've been in on the Kingdom of God. Hands up who's been enjoying the Kingdom of God, the teaching on the Kingdom of God. But as this week went on, I was like, oh, I know this feeling. No, Tim, you're not speaking on the Kingdom of God this week. I have something else that I want you to, to talk about. So we've got something different today. There should be, um, did you get that other image up? Did you put that in there? Yeah. I need to speak on the glory of God. I need to speak on the glory of God. So Lord, we yield to you today. We yield to you today. Mark us for your glory. And mark us with your glory. Everything of you. Everything of you. Everything of you. Have your way in us, God. Touch hearts afresh, God. Revitalize, restore, renew. Heal, God. Holy Spirit, have your way amongst us. This, this wouldn't just be a few words that are spoken, but this would be something that marks us as we go forward from here. It is your kingdom. It is your glory. It is all about you, Jesus. And the people said... I got some notes that I wrote down, but I'm not even sure whether they're the right thing to say. Can we just go on a bit of a journey this morning and see where the Holy Spirit takes us? Is that okay? Are we up for that? Cool. Oh. Sometimes I wonder where, why I go, th I go through certain things. But then, but then the Lord keeps reminding me, you can't take people where you haven't been yourself. You know, Jesus, Jesus never lived for his own glory. He didn't come and he didn't go, look at me, look at the gifts I carry, look at the anointing I carry, look at this, look at this. No, 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 he didn't do that. Right throughout the Gospel of John, we, we hear statements like, the one who speaks on his own seeks his own glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true. And there is no unrighteousness in him. Jesus said, Jesus would say, I speak not my own words, but the words of the Father who sent me. I came not for my own glory, but for the glory of the one who sent me. Jesus empty, was, 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 was empty of anything that would stop him from doing the Father's will and seeing the Father glorified. You know, leadership in churches today is so different because, you know, people position themselves in a pyramid structure. 
which is so worldly, it is so wrong. Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom. People that call themselves apostles and yet are not willing to get dirty on the ground lifting people up are truly not apostles. In fact, my friend Mark Crawford always says if someone has to tell you they're an apostle or a prophet or whatever, then they're probably not. You see it in people's hearts. You see it in their lives. You see stuff. And you see it aligned with Scripture. And Jesus never expects anything of us that he didn't do himself. That's why he said, I'm washing your feet. Now you go and do likewise. You know, there's an aspect that I could get into about His glory. But it's not really, really where I feel the Spirit of God wants to take us today. But I want to just reiterate that God is, God is working in our hearts that we would be yielded, that we would be humble, that we would be in a place before Him that He would get all the glory. That Psalm 126 verse that Bruce quoted before, that people will say, look what the Lord has done. He has done great things. And that's why I believe this move of God that is coming in this nation of Australia is not going to be like anything that has ever been before. Because it's not going to be about me. It's not going to be about Restoration Centre. It's not going to be about any denomination. It's not going to be about that. It's going to be about Him and it's going to be about His people. And those that are true apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers will be right behind you, will be underneath you, will be doing what we can to mobilise you for the end time harvest. And that's why we have to become a discipleship movement because you can't just look at me going, wow, that's awesome what Tim does or Bruce does or May does or someone else does. We're all called to be a part of this end time movement. And why not here in Bundaberg? Why not here? You see, the structures of church have made most Christians consumers and spectators, which was never, ever meant to be the case. We are the body of Christ, and we are called to move. What happens when you... I, years ago, when I was... Uh, just after I got married, so I was 20, I had a knee operation because there was a bit of bone popped in my, my knee. I was lifting a roll of carpet in the carpet shop and I went, oh, I felt that. And the next day I could hardly bend my knee. And so there was a bit of bone that popped in there. And so I had an operation. And for six weeks, I mean for someone who runs, literally, I couldn't do anything on my right on my right leg because it was just being wasted away. For six weeks, muscle changes. If you're not using the gifts, if you're not serving God, if you're not stepping into stuff, the gifts that you do have in you will become wasted. They will waste away because you're not exercising them. We're actually meant to be exercising our faith. Is there an amen to that? That's why Paul said to the church in Rome, you know, prophesy, you know, in, um, in our proportion to your faith. Whatever gift we've received, it operates by faith. But everything is for Him and His glory, and that's what I believe. 
with all my heart, and that's why I'm, I am jealously guarding when I see posts on Facebook and I see people get up and go, look at us, it's going to be about us. I'm going, it is not about you. In fact, you're going to be the last one in the door unless you're willing to repent of all your pride because it's actually going to be about the people of God. It's not going to be come here and look at me. But that's not the aspect of glory that I feel to talk about today. That was just a little something that was welling up in me. Is that okay? You know, I've had a period, and I shared it, what, three weeks ago, where it's been a hard period for me, that I found myself doing things that I'm not meant to be doing. You know, and in some ways I've struggled to find help, you know, to actually help me in various areas. And, you know, it's really easy just to get caught up in busyness of stuff. And But for me, there's a stirring in me that goes, no, I just can't keep doing that because there's something else that's birthing in me and I have to keep that. And so what I do, what I do to encourage myself in the Lord, I get on my keyboard, I get on my guitar, I start to worship, you know, I start to get out some prophecies that have been spoken and I start to remind myself. But one of the things I do is I sit in my lounge room chair and I put on YouTube and I, and, I'm, and I look at things like the Brownsville Revival. And I just, oh. I'm not saying what we're going to see is going to be exactly like that. But God did a mighty thing there. And sometimes we need to switch off what we watch on TV and maybe we need to start feeding the inner man. Maybe, maybe we need to start to feed ourselves the things of revival, the things of reformation, rather than watching other movies, rather than even watching other teaching. Forgive me for this. Get on and start watching the things where God has moved and there's been powerful moves of God. And, the, and, and this week I found myself in the lounge room and I just put it on and, the, and this little 20-minute clip came up. And it was on the back end of the, the music team, you know, the singing that people had sung. It was on the back end of that. And it went for 20 minutes. And there was men and women and children all over the place doing all kinds of things. And I was sitting there and I could feel the very presence and glory of God in my lounge room as I was watching this. You've got to understand me. There was men, there was women, there was children. There was six-year-olds prostrate on the floor, you know, weeping. There was people in their 80s visibly being brought to tears the pastors were on the floor there are other people that were doing that the holy spirit rattles and the holy spirit there was all kinds of stuff some people were just like this just sitting there you looked as, as the video camera panned around there was not one person that was disengaged going like this they were in it and i go god do it here that we wouldn't be, oh, ho-hum, oh, oh, Tim, you're going a bit long. It's half past 11 in my stomach. No, that we would be so engaged in the presence and the glory of God that nothing else matters. Oh. Woo. Get a taste for it. The enemy is trying to make your taste for the things of this world. And you have to make a decision for yourself. No, I don't want the things of this world anymore. I want the things of heaven. I want the things of the kingdom. I want the things of God. And so therefore you need to start feeding yourself those things. Get rid of the spirit of mammon.
that is in the church. And I'm not mammon doesn't just mean money. It means possessions. It means all kinds of stuff. Get rid of all forgiveness. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of those things and start to feed yourself on the presence and the glory of God. One person's happy. (laughs) More, Trev. More. (laughs) More. (laughs) Who wants more? Oh. Oh, 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 boy. Do it. Get it. You probably got YouTube. Use it for good stuff. Stuff that'll feed you. The problem is, I actually think that we are overtaught in the church today. People would go home from here and they'd listen to this teacher and that teacher and this teacher and that teacher. You know, seven days a week, people are listening to all kinds of teaching and all it does, does is become knowledge, but we, ever, but we never walk it out. And that's why there's been people that have, you know, I call them conference junkies. That they would go from one conference to the next, getting a touch, getting a, getting a touch, but then six months later, their life is exactly where it was before they went to the conference. We've got it wrong. We need to be marked for his glory. Just soak. I used to think soaking was really weird. I was brought up in a very, you know, straight jacket way. This was like, no, you don't do that. So soaking was like, what? But to listen to the worship and to see the people engaged and you feel the very presence and glory of God filling the room from something that happened 30 years ago. This is what we want for Bundaberg, isn't it? Let's turn to some scripture. I did have a couple of verses that were really running around in me. One of them is really familiar. In fact, Wes and Jen, when when they were here, actually spoke on it on the Saturday. Hands up who was here when Wes and Jen were here on the Saturday back in September. And it's about Moses. It's in Exodus 33. And isn't it interesting? Because the people of God were rebelling. And God was like, I've had enough with these stiff-necked people. I'm just tired of having to deal with this all the time. And Moses didn't go, yeah, God, they are really bad. You just need to deal with them. He actually came amongst the people and he said, God, forgive us for we have sinned against you. Man, that's a leader right there. Not pointing the finger, but getting amongst the people and say, God, we have sinned against you. He started to intercede and God said, okay, I'm going to send my angel with you. Well, for some people, that, that was probably enough comfort. Really? I'm going to send my angel with you. Oh, I'm an angel of God. Angel of God with me. Woo! But Moses knew. God, do not send us up from here. I'm just going to read it because I know it that well. It, it just Is that okay? Don't, do not send us up from here unless your presence goes with us. He said, what else distinguishes us from all the other people on the face of the earth? 
It is your presence. Do not send us from here, God, without your presence. And God said, okay, I will do. (laughs) You're going to make me cry, man. Just. (laughs) Oh, dear. When you get around other glory carriers, you just start to. (laughs) Oh, God. God said, okay, I will do the very thing that you've asked and my presence will go with you. You know, I think the church has stopped in that verse. Because even this morning, we're singing, you're worthy of it all, and we're saying, oh, I exalt you. And we just sat there and we went, ooh. Who felt that? Who actually felt that? Who felt the presence of God? And we get that. We go, you know what? Oh, to get a touch from the Lord is so real. Literally. And his presence. And we go, oh. And I think the church in our nation has stopped that. We've, we've stopped in that verse. God, we want to thank you for your presence that's with us today. But my heart has never been content with that. My heart has never been content with that because there's always more. Hands up who knows there's more. If you don't, I pray after today you will. I pray that you will because there is so much more. And Moses knew that there was more. You see, he'd had a vision. He knew that there was more. And the problem is that most leaders have stopped there and we have great worship times and we feel the presence of God and we have a bit of joy and we woo! But that's where we stop. But God is looking for a people who will go into his glory. And this is what Moses said. I'm now in verse 17 of chapter 33. I'll give you a verse. There you go. The Lord said to Moses, I will do this very thing that you've asked, for you have found favor with me and I know you by name. Why did Moses find favor with God in that moment? There's probably a lot of reasons why. But I went, when I read that again this week, because he didn't think, look at me, I'm the leader. Woo-hoo-hoo! He identified with the people. And he said, God, we have sinned against you. And we need you. Moses, you found favor with me. You see, because God doesn't look at the external things, does he? He looks at the heart. So he was looking at the heart of Moses and he could see the humility. He could see the yieldedness. He could see the submission. And so that's what he said to him. You have found favor with me and I know you by name. And then Moses says this famous line, Lord, show me your glory. You see, we could stop at that verse. My presence will go with you. We Thank you, God, for your presence that's with us and amongst us. And we could be content with just getting a touch, feeling the odd goose bump, knowing that God is with us. Or we can be a people that says, God, we want to see your glory. We want the boldness that Moses had. And thanks be to Jesus, because it says we can come boldly before the throne of grace now. 
We don't need to send the high priest in there and, and uh, hope he survives and we pull him out by the leg rope if he doesn't. We can come boldly before the throne of grace and we come and we can say, God, show us your glory. But we can't say, show us your glory if, if our hearts are not for his glory. You see, we're actually stopping the very prayer that we are praying because deep down we're going, ha people are going to see me. I'm going to get a good name around people because, you know, I'm God's, God's going to do great things through me. No! God, that I would become nothing, that you would become everything. That even if there's signs and wonders and miracles and healings, that people will say, look what the Lord has done. He has done great things. It's my prayer that as we continue to enter into worship, that the Holy Spirit would continue to touch people and say, my cancer's gone, my limb's been restored, my depression's gone, it's all gone. Jesus has set me free. Because no one can say, oh, Tim prayed for me today, or someone prayed for me today and I got healed. No, no, let's just let's go. Ha, we want to go all the way. God, you get all the glory. Ha. So Moses said, God, because God looked at Moses' heart and he said, you found favor with me. I know you by name. I know your very nature. I know it. I can see it. And so Moses says, God, show us your glory. Show me your glory. And I will cause all of my goodness to pass over you. I'm not sure whether we understand the fullness of that verse. We go, oh yeah, the goodness of God. No, no, no. I'm going to cause all my goodness to pass over you. And there's going to be no room for unforgiveness anymore because my goodness is now there. There's not going to be any room for, for offense anymore. Because my goodness is all over you. There's not going to be room for holding grudges, jealousy, competition. There's not going to be room for any of that. Because my goodness is going to pass over you. And I will proclaim the name the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he added, you cannot see my face for humans cannot see me and live. What does it mean to see the face of God? I was telling someone yesterday, I had a word, a prophetic word 20 years ago from someone that didn't know me and they just looked at me and they said, you are going to see the glory of God like a welder without goggles. You will be able to look at the flame. It just wrecked me because it was my heart. I don't need to pastor a church of 200 people. 
I don't need to travel the nations. I just want to see his glory. And I've realized over 20, nearly 25 years of ministry, through every trial, through every up, through every down, God has just been going, I need to pull that out of you, son. And I need to pull that, pull that out of you, son. And I need to pull that out of you, son. And I need to pull that out of you. And I need to do that in you, that you would just give it all to me. And I look at the landscape and I see people chasing stuff and I see other stuff and I go, oh no, you're going to have to learn it all. I'm happy to sit with you and give you the wisdom that I've learned over these years, but if you're not going to listen to me, then you're just going to have to go on a journey with God. And you're going to have to be broken as well because that's what God did with me. He broke me in a good way. Sorry, but not sorry. Jesus, when his body was broken, his blood was shed, he was torn. The veil in the temple tore. And the declaration was made, nothing will separate me from my people again. Nothing will separate me from my people again. Nothing will separate me from my people again. There is an open door before us. The curtain has been opened. And he says, come into my holy of holies. Don't stay in the outer court. Don't just get into the holy place, but enter into the holy of holies. You see, I think that there's so many parallels throughout Scripture. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And we have the outer court. There was the way to the temple. There was the, there was the inner court, you know, um, the holy place where the blood was shed. You know, where sacrifices were made. Jesus was the sacrifice. He's the truth. But few Christians actually enter into the fullness of life in the holy of holies. Oh, <laughs> And so the Lord said to him, here is a place near me. You are to stand on the rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in a crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. You know, Jesus is our rock. <laughs> we are hidden in the crevice of Jesus. Sealed, covered. God is inviting us into a whole nother place. The messages of the kingdom have been about that Christ has done it all. The enemy wants to make you feel like you've got to work for something. You don't measure up. You're a failure. All kinds of other stuff. When Christ has done it, and he says, here it is. And somewhere in our thinking we go, it's too good to be true. This is actually too good to be true. But it's true. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Paul clarifies this. 
by saying, do not use the freedom to, in to indulge yourself is nature. It's not freedom in terms of, I can go and do whatever I want. I'm going to treat people how I want. I'm free. No, no, you are free to become all that God saw you to be before you were in the womb. And he created you and he set you apart with a plan and a purpose. And he says, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, come and soar with me up on the wings of eagles and I will show you great and mighty things. And you see it. You get a touch of his glory. You see his glory and something happens within you. And you're just like a dog at a bone. And you're just like, there's more. And there's so much more. I've had encounters with the glory of God over, you know, the 25 years where I've seen God do amazing things. I've seen a room full of 800 people just on their faces before God, just crying and weeping and travailing, you know, because of the presence and the glory of God that was filling the room. I've seen addictions go, alcoholism broken like that, depression broken like that. I've seen chains broken like that. And I believe that we, you know, we have been faithful at walking with people through stuff. We've been laboring, but I believe that God is going to bring us into a place where he is going to do it like that. Silver and gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Okay. This is biblical. It's scriptural. The church in Australia has lowered the bar. We've accepted mediocrity. Well, it's time to say, God, we want it all. For your glory. I want to finish with these couple of verses. Are we, are we going okay? I'm feeling a bit tingly up here. Woo! I used to think that was pretty weird, by the way, too. I remember the first time I stepped foot in a Pentecostal church. It was Mark Crawford's, the church he was pastoring, and there's people running around the building. And I thought, man, these guys are lost and I'm out of here. <laughs> and then I saw the fruit of what God was doing. Lives were being changed. People were being healed. People were being transformed. I'm thinking that wasn't happening where I was. There must be something about this Pentecostal business. I used to be like a concrete wall that presence would just bounce off me. But oh man, now I get a touch. Oh. <laughs> Is anyone else like that? Anyone else see themselves change like that over time? <laughs> oh. Sorry. I got two more verses to get through. Hang on. Woo. <laughs> uh, uh. it makes you feel a bit silly sometimes when you're standing with four people and you kind of just get the giggles but you know it's just what it is isn't it oh you know there's three things that I'm thinking about this morning one is you can't shortcut this you can't shortcut it and that's why it's so anti-culture of this world, because we live, and I've said this before when we've been talking about the kingdom, 
that we live in a society where we just want instant, instant, shortcut, instant. Where's my Maccas? I've been standing at the counter for five minutes. Where's my Maccas? It should have been here by now. God, these guys are slow. The drive-through, man, you call this a drive-through? I've been sitting in my car for 10 minutes and I still haven't driven anywhere. And what? My internet? Oh, it's so slow today. Why is it so slow? But you see, that's the culture of this world. And God says, through perseverance, you're going to enter the kingdom of God. You're going to see the things of God through, through, through sacrifice, perseverance. These things are like, what? I'm going to have to persevere? I've had 25 years of persevering in ministry. Woo! I could tell you some stories. But there's something in here that goes, God, oh, I am broken for you. I couldn't go and hide on a beach if I tried. I couldn't run away and get a job if I tried. Because I'd be like, oh, you can't shortcut it. David learnt this lesson. If we, I'm not going to read it because we're going to be here for a long time if I read it. In Chapter 13, David tries to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to its rightful place in Jerusalem. But he does it man's way. He goes, you know what? God's, his intention was kind of, okay. God, we're going to get a new cart. We're going to get some oxen. And we're going to pull this thing back into where it belongs. God, you deserve the best, so we're going to get a new cart. Isn't that like churches today? We're going to start. We, we just, we're going to get a new method. We're going to do some new things. It's like a new method. And God's going, will you just do it the way that it's always been done? The ancient paths. And it didn't end very well for David. They were like, woohoo, dancing before the ark. Woohoo. Uh-oh, that didn't work. And it's interesting that the chronicler... In between chapter 13 and 15, where David got the revelation, is chapter 14. Interesting mathematics, that. In between 13 and 15 is 14. And it's all about David fighting different battles, battling the Philistines. And it's interesting because it goes, David inquired of the Lord. Oh. Oh. And... Lord, how should we fight this battle? Well, I just want you to go straight in and they're going to be defeated. Oh, awesome. Then the next battle, he inquired of the Lord again. This time I want you to encircle them behind the balsam trees or whatever they were, and I, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. See, David was, it would inquire of God, but for some reason with this one thing, which was the very, which was the most important thing, he didn't inquire of God. He saw what the Philistines were doing, and he goes, well, that makes sense to me. We'll just copy them. And the problem with church in Australia is that we just copied the things of the world and the, the, the programs and the initiatives and stuff, and we're just going to do it like them. Is that Okay. Are you okay with me? Okay, good. It's out anyway, so. David had the revelation in chapter 15. 
He said it was because we did not inquire of the Lord and do it in his prescribed way that it didn't go well. <gasps> God, they're meant to carry it. Levites are meant to carry it. I don't know about you, but I reckon a gold-plated box would have been pretty heavy. Oh, can you imagine that? Carrying it in. You tell me that, that believing God for, for revival doesn't take blood, sweat and tears. Well, you better think again. Because it absolutely does. If you're believing for the things of God, if you're believing for the greater things, it's going to take some sacrifice. That's why we've always had Friday night prayer on Friday night because you know what? It's probably the greatest sacrifice. You feel tired at the end of the week. You feel like, oh, I can't be bothered. But you know what? It's the greatest sacrifice. I'll see you there Friday. He's walking in. God, we didn't do it your way. We didn't do it your way. We didn't do it your way. You can't, you can't shortcut it. I would love for everything that I've seen in the Spirit to break it out two years ago. Anyone else? But then I look back and go, God, you have done so much in our hearts in that two years, it's not funny. I am more yielded to you now than I've ever been. I am more set apart for you than I've ever been. I am so glad that you didn't press the button that day. Or you didn't speak the word that day and you released what you're going to release because I would have gotten in the way. The last couple of verses, Samuel. You know, the priesthood had just lost themselves. They had just gone into sin. There was corruption in the house of God, Eli and his sons. Like, it was just an absolute shambles. It was an absolute mess. And God was like, nah, I'm going to raise up a priesthood. I'm going to, Samuel's, Samuel's here, and we're going to start doing some other stuff because I've had enough of this. What's going on? And, you know, there was a battle and there was some deaths. It's in 1 Samuel 4. Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, was pregnant and was about to give birth. Nick and Christian are not here today because, you know, she's getting pretty close, you know. When she heard the news about the capture of God's ark... And the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband, she collapsed and gave birth because her labor pains came on her. Wow. As she was dying, wow, the woman taking care of her said, do not be afraid, you've given birth to a son. But she did not respond or pay any attention. She named the boy Ichabod. Where is the glory? That's what it means. Where is the glory? Ichabod saying, the glory has departed from Israel, referring to the capture of the ark of God and to the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband. The glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God has been captured. Lord, restore your glory amongst your people. You've done it before. Do it again. Kathy, do you want us to just start playing some keys wherever you are?
I'll finish with this. I haven't gone too bad. 2 Chronicles 5. You see, David couldn't, David couldn't build the temple because of all the bloodshed in his life. So his son, Solomon, was the one who was appointed to build the temple. And it says in 2 Chronicles 5, So all the work Solomon did for the Lord's temple was completed. Solomon bought the consecrated things of his father David, the silver, the gold, and all the utensils, and put them in the treasuries of God's temple. And they prepared the temple. Everything came into order. All the priests, all the musicians, read it for yourself in 2 Chronicles 5. Everything came into divine order. Everything was ready. And I believe that God, for those people that are yielding to Him, those people that are saying, God, here I am. God has been preparing a temple for His glory. But this temple is not bricks and mortar made by man. It is us. It is us that we would be a temple for His glory. And may, we didn't talk about this, but that is so spot on. There would be no gap found amongst us. There'd be no gaps, no gaps, no unforgiveness, no offence, no bitterness, no backgrounds, no competition, no jealousy, no gaps. Because God is bringing His order. And this is what happens started to sing. They started to do what they did. Everything was brought in order. You can read it yourself. It said, The trumpeters and singers joined together and they began to praise and thank the Lord with one voice. They raised their voices accompanied by trumpets. Kathy Fowler. Cymbals. Neil, where are you, buddy? Musical instruments. And in praise to the Lord, they sang, The Lord is good, His faithfulness endures forever. You see, they'd seen the restoration of the temple. The temple. The Lord's temple was filled with a cloud. I want to encourage you to learn how to soak in revival, in the presence of God, in the glory of God, because God wants to take us deeper. Don't be like Martha and get distracted and upset by many things. Be a Mary and just sit at His feet and listen to His voice. And because of the cloud, of the glory of God, the priests were not able to continue to minister for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. My prayer, when we gather together one day, It just happens. There won't be any 40-minute sermon that day. 
Well, maybe not. I don't know. Who knows? There probably won't be any songs on the screen. The musicians will be playing. And we will just worship the Lord and say, you are worthy of it all. My prayer for you, in all sincerity, is that your heart will say yes and amen to that. Because that is His heart for you. I love the Lord. And I am not ashamed of Him. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Can we just begin to worship? You guys want to go, well, we may get to that song. I don't know. If you've never done it before, just open some scripture. Just speak it. Sing it. Just let the sound of worship begin to arise amongst us. We have been blessed to have our own building. What does God want to do with that building in the center of Bundaberg? His presence, His kingdom, His glory. My prayer, it will become such a soupy place. People walk in there and whoo! And it will just flow out into the streets and those pubs will be closed. And they'll become hostels for people coming to encounter the presence and the glory of God. Just rise and worship Him today. You might say, that's easy for Tim. You can sing, Tim. I never knew how to sing in the Spirit. Holy Spirit had to teach me. Just worship Him. You've got vocal cords. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Oh, ha. The enemy tries to make you think that you've been muffled. But no, you've been given a voice to sing a new song to the Lord. To sing a new song. We worship you, Jesus. We fix our eyes on you, God. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Oh, show us your glory, Lord.